back to another episode of In Enemy Territory. We got a great one for you today. Today we're going to be talking historical kicks and misses NFL kickers have made or not on January 17th. And we're going to be talking a little bit of hockey as well. Before we get into it, I just wanted to give a two-second reason why I picked the day of January 17th. Today is my late grandmother's birthday, and she was one of the greatest friends I ever had. Miss her every day, and proud to call her my grandma. And she shared a birthday with the famous Muhammad Ali, Dwayne Wade, and Jeremy Roenick. So happy birthday, all them. And let's get into it. On January 17, 1971, the Baltimore Colts, led by the 37-year-old Johnny Unitas, they won the Super Bowl on this day, Super Bowl V, on a last-second field goal by Jim O'Brien. So that was the first thing. Fast forward 28 years, Falcons-Vikings, NFC Championship. The Vikings had only lost one game all year. And not only that, their kicker had not missed a kick the entire year, Gary Anderson. And we got a tie game, and end of the fourth quarter, chance to kick a field goal to put the Vikings in the lead and seemingly send them to the Super Bowl. And what does he do? He misses his first kick in 40-plus kicks. The Falcons get the ball. The other Anderson, Morton Anderson, Gets into field goal range, drives it home. Falcons go on to to they go on to lose the Super Bowl, but they make it. Vikings go home, and what a time to miss your first kick of the season, eh? So there's a couple uh, very drastically different kicks. One for the Jim O'Brien to win the Super Bowl in 1971, and then Gary Anderson doing the complete opposite. There goes that season. Just like that. So, got me thinking about kickers and how seemingly, you know, three points, a lot of the time, you're not going to win a game. You're not going to win a Super Bowl from a kick, you know. If you're driving the ball down, coming away with three points, like I always said, I was, you know, growing up, Steelers fan, you go and play a team like the Patriots or play a team like the the Colts with Peyton Manning, teams like that, that they're just scoring touchdowns on you and, and producing points on every drive. And then and then the Steelers go get in field goal range and, and knock three points down. You're not going to win the game. You got to come away with the touchdown. But the truth is those three points sometimes are the dagger, especially in these two scenarios. You can see one of them was the ultimate prize by winning the Super Bowl and on the other hand, Gary Anderson missing that kick for the Vikings with a nearly perfect season. They had gone 15-1, and won a playoff game, 16-1. and This is the 18th game of the year. He hasn't missed a kick. He's seemingly perfect, and all you need to do is get into field goal range and money, you know, Mr. Automatic, and you got a chance to go to the Super Bowl and bring home your franchise's first Super Bowl, which Minnesota is still looking for. And he missed it. 
so that one hurts. But I want to take a minute to talk about some other notable kickers and some big makes, big misses. Um, some other crazy kicker stats that I pulled out of the internet, which some of them are funny, some of them are eye-opening, and a couple head-scratchers. So let's let's talk about one of the biggest missed kicks possibly in NFL history apart from the Gary Anderson miss that we touched on. Scott Norwood, Buffalo Bills. They notoriously went to four straight Super Bowls in the in the early 90s and lost all four of them. The first one of those, however, was the only game decided by one score or less. The the, the second, third, and fourth of that four four year run they lost by double digits. But this first one was in grasp. All they had to do was kick that field goal. Super Bowl champs. Just like the Colts converted it in 1971, but Scott Norwood infamously missed that kick. They went on to lose the Super Bowl to the Giants. And I'm sure Buffalo still winces every time they think about that moment. Because, you know... But I'm sure by the time they lost their fourth Super Bowl, they were like, okay, yeah, that's what we expect. We're used to it. I'm sure they were very cynical by then. But the first one especially, that's just painful to get all the way there. One kick away, and it all came down to that, and Scott Norwood missed it. We've got a missed kick, I remember clearly, by the Ravens in the AFC Championship when they played the Patriots in 2012 where Billy Cundiff had also been fantastic kicker the whole year, and he completely missed an easy field goal to send the Ravens home. Patriots went on to lose the Super Bowl to the New York Giants. Two more big misses I want to talk about, and then I'll talk about some, some kicks that were made. Doug Bryan of the New York Jets are taking on the Steelers, Steelers have rookie quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. He hasn't lost a game yet in his career. He went 13-0 in the regular season. They get a bye week. They went 15-1 as well, just like the Vikings in, in 99. This is 2005. Steelers, Jets go to overtime. Doug Bryan misses the kick. Steelers go on. Jeff Reed makes the kick on the Steelers' next possession. Steelers go on, and finally, the the winning streak ends. They run into the Patriots. Patriots go on to beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Fast forward one more year. Steelers again need a miracle, need the other team to miss a kick. What happens? They play the Colts in the second round of the playoffs. They have a three-point lead. The Steelers have the ball on the goal line, about to make it a two-score game. And Jerome Bettis fumbles for the first time of the year, scooped up by the Colts. And on the run back, miraculously, they call it the shoestring tackle. Ben Roethlisberger somehow gets back, makes the tackle on what would have been an easy touchdown return. Somehow, you know, the, the guy who scooped up the fumble didn't really take a block. He just kind of ran up the middle of the field. Ben Ben makes the tackle. Colts get into field goal range. 
and they've got a shot to tie it up. And Mike Vanderjat, who was also basically Mr. Automatic, goes up with possibly the worst missed field goal of all time. He wasn't even close. I'm not sure the ball game the ball was put down normal or what, but game over. Steelers go on to win that Super Bowl. So these kicks are are not just gone by the wayside, but these are season altering kicks that really just drive home the point of how crucial a kicker's role in a game can be. When I think about if I had to choose, like, let's say, a greatest kicker of all time or, or, or some of the greatest kicks that I've ever witnessed in my life, hands down, Adam Vinatieri has been in the right in the middle of all the biggest kicks I can think of. He's won four Super Bowls, three of them with the Patriots, one with the Colts. Two of the Super Bowls with the Patriots came down to his winning field goals in the last in the last minute. And he went on to become, I, I think he might have just retired, but I'm pretty sure Vinatieri is, he's the all, NFL's all-time leading scorer in like every category. He's been around for forever. He maybe even was on the Patriots when they made the Super Bowl in the mid-90s. Like he might have been in, in five or six Super Bowls, and he's just been Mr. Consistent, always reliable, two-time Super Bowl winning kick on his foot. When I think about kickers, that's that's maybe the all-time greatest kicker. Another exciting moment, which was the head-scratcher I was alluding to earlier, is somehow I came across... I'm surprised I didn't know about this beforehand, but 1982 was a strike-shortened season. Somehow, Mark Mosley, the Redskins kicker, won the MVP award for the entire season for the league. He was the 1982 NFL MVP, a kicker. He went 20 for 21, and the Redskins, I think, only lost one game. There was, you know, they missed, they didn't play half the games or so. They played 10 or 11 games at maximum that season, and they won the Super Bowl. And this guy had a a couple game-winning kicks and somehow I honestly I've tried to find out online like look at other players stats from the season like quarterbacks and big wide receivers or running backs I don't know why a kicker won it but somehow a kicker went on to win the MVP award but uh, anyway congrats Mark Mosley I'm sure that was the highlight of your life no no jokes like that's really impressive and I'm sure that it has gotten you much farther in life than maybe even Adam Vinatieri. Although you don't really have the notoriety, you've got the Super Bowl and the MVP, and no other kicker in history has ever done that. So kudos. Let's talk about just a couple of the longest field goals that have ever been made. 63 yarders have been made by four or five players. Uh, the ones that I knew about is Jason Elam, Sebastian Janikowski, David Akers, and Graham Gano. While only one player has ever knocked down a 64-yarder, which is Matt Prater of the Denver Broncos. So the other 63-yarder that has been kicked 
was kicked by, believe it or not, a kicker who had half a foot. His name was Tom Dempsey, and he played for the Washington Redskins. And he wore, I believe, a special kind of shoe. And, and you know, despite his disability, he was able to really become a, you know, have an, a decent career. And he kicked a 189-foot field goal. That was tied for first place for many, many years. That actually broke the record. And then four players tied it. Matt Prater broke it. And as it stands, 64-yarder is is the current record. A funny moment, which I guess for Brian Mormon was not so funny. He wasn't a kicker, per se. He was a punter. But in a Pro Bowl, I believe it was 2006 or seven. Brian Mormon was set up to just kick a run-of-the-mill punt. He punts it downfield. You know, the guy receives the punt, and he's returning it. I haven't watched this highlight, actually, in many years, but I can close my eyes and picture the part what I'm about to get to, which basically is Brian Mormon going to just run it out and make the tackle or, you know, whatever, chase down the guy with the ball as punters do. They don't, you know, more often than not, the punter is not making the tackle unless you're Pat McAfee. But Brian Mormon's just kind of tracking down the, the return man. And out of nowhere, the late Sean Taylor just comes flying out of nowhere and throws a bone crunching block on Brian Mormon, who goes flying completely clotheslined. If like if that if that had happened this day and age, Taylor would have been fined, suspended. Mormon would have been in concussion protocol, and he I'm sure he had like six concussions from the hit. It was really one of the deadliest blocks I've ever seen, and that's coming from someone who grew up watching Heinz Ward block as a wide receiver for the Steelers, and he was so to speak a little bit dirty, especially in some games against the Bengals, Browns, Ravens division games. He always brought it. But this hit on Brian Mormon, I feel I uh, just thinking about it again. I just feel so bad for Brian Mormon. He he must still have headaches from that hit. That that was a brain cell killer. But uh, and I don't even know what Sean Taylor was thinking to just kind of come out of nowhere and, th- and lay that lick on him. But it, they, the announcers kind of laughed it off as like, "Whoa, did you see that hit?" And and th- and then that was it. So I think, you know, we have come a long way in like 15 years to trying to preserve the the human brain, which takes a real beating in the NFL. But that's all I've really got to say about kickers, you know, and a big day for them. So let's let's move on to our next segment, which I want to talk about a couple of other milestones that were reached on January 17th. 1960, Gordie Howe passes Rocket Richard's 950 points all-time to become the NHL's all-time scoring champ. And he would hold that record for 29 years and some change until Wayne Gretzky passes him. So Gordie Howe, 29-year holder of the NHL all-time points, the leader now is Wayne Gretzky, who has been holding it for 31 years, and pretty sure no one is within a century or two of passing him. So that is a record 
that may never be broken. But on this day, 60-some years ago, 60 years ago, Gordy passed Rocket. 1996, Stevie Eiserman scores his 500th career goal. 2003, Joe Neuendijk scores his 500th career goal. So we got a lot of hockey um, milestones that were reached on this day. And I've got one last hockey fun fact that I'm going to get to. But on this day in 1997, Dennis Rodman infamously kicked the cameraman. Most of us have probably seen the highlight, but if not, you know, go watch it. But basically, he kicks a cameraman. No, no, spoiler. But he got an 11-game suspension and another what-was-he-thinking moment, you know? But just kind of nuts. Imagine that would happen in not 97, but let's say imagine that happened in 2017. That guy would have been handed a much heavier penalty than an 11-game suspension. Back then, it was still kind of react how, like, the the fans would be, you know, if the fans are outraged, then it's time to punish someone. The last bit of hockey that I would love to talk about that happened this January 17th, 2020, was my boy Sid Crosby. Fresh back, coming from an injury, third game back from injury, scores the OT winner, and as Sid has always done in his career, because this year he missed 28 games with a sports hernia, had to rehab it, and came back, has a four-goal game, then he scores a goal, then he's got a two-point game. Hands up with like eight points in his first four games back, including an OT winner. He's always just ready to go. You know, he goes down with an injury, he misses two months, comes back, doesn't miss a beat. We all know, you know, when he came back from the in, the almost an entire year he missed from the concussions about six years ago, he comes back and has that historic game against the Islanders where he scores that goal, four-point night. He came back in the playoffs 2017 when they won the second of the back-to-back cups. He missed the game to injury, and he came back. We beat the Capitals, went on to win the cup. He just, he never misses a beat, and he's always ready to go. And he's just really inspiring to, I think, not just fans, but I, I believe most players in the league especially the younger ones, because Crosby has been playing about 15 years. So anyone who's a rookie to, let's say, 25 years old, as as far back as they can remember, Sidney Crosby has been the face of the NHL and showing people that, you know, injuries happen and they're out of your control. But what you can control is your own game and your own rehab and your dedication to the game. And your determination to not let anything keep you down. And if you get injured, it doesn't stop. You come back, you go for your goals, and you do what you can. And just a fantastic leader. He leads by example. He leads on the ice, off the ice. Proud to call him my favorite player in the game. And to have watched him many times, you know, in Pittsburgh. And met him once. Just really inspirational guy 
And as we saw again this year, this January, as he came back from injury before the season got canceled, he just came back and he did it again, scoring goals and, and creating chances for his team to win games as if he hadn't missed 28 straight games. And that's all I've really got for today. You know, kicks and misses, injuries and comebacks, kicking cameras, you know, scoring titles overtaken. Pretty iconic day. And and that's it. That's the show. Really appreciate anyone who made it to the end. And take a look at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash IET podcast. Follow us on Instagram at IET Podcast to see what's going on. Uh, let you know, you know, when the episode comes out. They're coming out once a week right now. And otherwise, keep listening. Tell your friends about it. And I appreciate it. Be well. Thank you.